Hi guys. Hi guys. Welcome back to the Digital Marketing Babes podcast. This week we're talking about conversion. Op- mm. This week we're talking about conversion. <laughs> this week we're talking. <laughs> Do you want me to say that sentence? <laughs> Why can't I say it now? Yeah. Conversion. Conversion. Uh, <laughs> Shall I try it again one last time? Yeah, go for it. This week we're talking about conversion rate optimization, CRO for short. This is a process of increasing the percentage of website visitors who take desired actions. Exactly, Amber. It's useful for every marketer to know. Whether you're using paid media, email marketing or social, if you have a crappy landing page, it won't convert. So obviously we want as many conversions as possible, right? Right. It's important to remember the e-commerce conversion rate benchmark is 1% to 3%. So 1% conversion rate is every one person that gets to your landing page out of 100 people that user converts. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's really interesting. And it actually does make sense. When I first like started working with conversion rates, I was like, why is this number so low? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's really good. I'm like, it's pants. But now that I'm older and understand it more, I am... I definitely get it. Um, so should we go through the ways that people can optimise their landing pages? Or page even? Yeah, uh, Amber, take it away with the with the first tip. So um, as you've given me the title of Queen of Content, uh, we're going to start with content. So in order to ensure your CRO is popping, you need to have the right content on your page. But this doesn't necessarily mean a content overload. Like, have you ever been on a website and you've just been bombarded with images, lots of miscellaneous text and mm. whatnot? Yeah. Well, that, that's naughty. That's not, you know, that's not the way it's done because that can have the opposite effect and be a distraction. Um, so content means whatever content you do have on the page, it needs to be relevant to helping the user convert. For example, if you're selling a sofa, you'd want to have a carousel of images that show the sofa styled in a living room, the sofa in a basic background. This will allow the visitor to envisage it in their own background or, you know, let them think about going wild with some colours and whatnot. A person sitting on the sofa so they can get a feel for size and how comfortable it is, because if this person looks really stiff, they're not going to want to buy it. And the sofa with drawn on measurements so they can really see if it fits in with their life and, you know, their home. Because you don't want to buy something that does not fit for your door. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, <laughs> I've definitely bought things that just don't fit through the doors. It happens so. all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, when we had our sofa delivered, I think it had to be delivered a second time because the people who came to deliver it couldn't bring it in. Oh my like, God. they just didn't have the logistics. So... Yeah, that's something that's super duper important. Um, But this is really great because by adding a a carousel, you can have all this content without actually having to like change the structure of a page because you're going to have to move other content around. So it's really great that way. And also having a carousel is really, really good for UX. So that's user experience. So for example, a mobile user, um, they'd have to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling to see all of these images. Whereas if you have it in a carousel, they can just swipe across and it puts everything in one place. So it's super handy um, because over 56% of online purchases are now completed from a mobile device, whereas only 34% are completed from a desktop, which is pretty crazy if you really think about it. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I mean, I kind of understand that more people make purchases through their phones now because it's become 
so much easier especially now I think you know people are on the go and we want to be able to multitask so I think that figure is only going to rise in terms of your recommendations for the imagery in the sofa I completely agree I think having an image of the sofa styled is really helpful for the user to imagine the end product imagine if they're shopping for a sofa for their new home seeing it with you know some nice wallpaper and a lamp next to it it kind of gives them that inspiration and that's what we want to help sell it's not just selling what we're actually delivering it's also selling the end product so like for example subscription boxes the a lot of subscription boxes are things that we can buy in the shop anyway but we have a subscription for for ease partly um and also for the excitement it's like having a gift that comes through every month or every quarter and that's why we want to show users uh, an image of how the box arrives or like what's in the box it's like a nice reminder for them like this is what you'll be getting through your door when you sign up so like same with the sofa you want to show that end user and I think there's a marketing phrase for it like sell don't sell the recipe sell the brownie I don't (laughs) have you heard of that before I haven't but I'd buy a brownie like why not exactly (laughs) no that's really good to point out because it's also handy for brands that do sell homewares because they can style with their own homewares and maybe people be like oh I like that scatter cushion maybe I'll buy 10 so it's really great for synergy. Sing it with me now. Synergy. Synergy. <laughs> synergy. <laughs> but yeah, no, super great tip. But as we know, it's not all about the imagery because sometimes that can be a distraction, but the copy that has a huge impact too. Copy is very beneficial for SEO, but um, we don't have time for that today. Okay, guys, I'm really sorry, but we'll, we'll talk to you about it another day. But to copy is very important. So let's take Nike running shoes, for example. This is something that I've been looking at quite a lot lately. I got a really bad blister from a pair of running shoes and I couldn't run for like two weeks. So things that I was looking for were the size the model wears because, you know, they need to look proportional to a normal body size. You don't want some super chunky shoes that just look wrong. Um, Size guide to make sure that they would fit and whether a size four is really a size four. I don't have size four feet, but uh ugc so nike have a really great thing where they take pictures from people's instagram pages and they pop it at the bottom of the page so you can see the trainers in a real setting or a real like real life situation uh product rating so social proof is very very good for uh cro because it shows you what people actually think of it and they're often unbiased and just completely honest you know so if they say the shoe is tight or the shoe is popping you're gonna you're gonna want to buy it you know but not if it's tight obviously and product details so nike have a pop out text window and that allows for more copy to be entered for the product so it because if you have too much it can slow down the crawl but because it's popped out it doesn't it doesn't slow it down so it it shows you what you need to see basically so it allows for more detail for the user without taking up all of the space on the page Yes, uh, and just want to quickly define crawl in case people don't know what that is. Essentially, Google has something called spiders and they crawl across the page to pick up content, which is part of the things that we do during SEO processes to make sure that our landing page can appear for certain keyword terms. So yes, I completely agree with all of those, Amber. They're really great tips. It's really depends again on what you're trying to say and it's 
sometimes really hard to know that. So I would just say that sometimes when you're doing a CRO recommendations, just note that like not everything is concrete. So make sure that you test things and just be really flexible. So big companies will do A-B testing. So they might test the colour of their call to action button and things like that. That is like a really small thing to do. But think of like the big test that you could do, like changing the person on your homepage or changing the messaging. It can give some really, really good insights. So yeah, nothing is concrete. Always be open to testing. I'm so glad you mentioned the A-B testing because I was literally thinking like, but this won't work for absolutely everybody. So I'm glad that you you did mention that because I was like, ha! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I forgot to say it. (laughs) I always say that like, when I put together CRO recommendations, I always just say like, please note that this might not all work for you. So I've written loads of recommendations and you should test and find out what works best for your brand and your users. Definitely. And it's also just a great way to learn more about your customer base, I feel. 100%. Like, you think you know something, but you don't, you know? Sometimes it's really hard. Like, you can try and predict what they're going to do, and then it doesn't always happen. Yeah, complete curveballs all the way around the world. <laughs> yeah, the and the only other thing really is, like, making sure that you format that well. So don't be afraid to put bullet points, like, really, like, scannable text, because even though having the copy is really good for your SEO score and getting in your keywords, we're, you know, trying to make the landing page helpful for users. So think about that. Right, I'm going to move on to our second tip, which is being mobile first. Basically, build your website with a mobile first approach. It will make your website easier for the user. As we know, a larger percentage of users take action on your website from a mobile. And I think, what is that, 56% make a purchase? It's actually 56.6, but I just said 56% for ease, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But it's quite, it's such a big number. It's huge. Over half, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of a basic one, like thinking mobile first, but you'd be surprised how many websites just don't have that functionality. So you can actually test your page landing speed because we kind of assume that a really slow landing page is going to put people off. I'd recommend getting the Lighthouse plugin. This is if you're feeling a little bit more tech savvy. It's used by developers, but I love using it. Um, it's called yeah Lighthouse on Google Chrome plugin. You can also use Google Page Speed Insights. That's a really good tool. It's a little bit better for people that don't really know like the technical terms, and it will kind of just show you what images might need to be compressed and things like that. And it will just help your your overall page performance. I didn't know about Lighthouse. If I'm honest with you, so thank you for that one. I'm going to have a look at it after this episode. Does that make me a terrible marketer? Because I'm not, like, super technical, though. No, I mean, I wouldn't even class myself as super technical. It's just I found out about it when I used to work with developers. And, you know, they didn't want to talk to me about Love Island. So, you know, I (laughs) had to get some sort of conversation (laughs) going. So I just used to ask them loads of questions. And they loved talking about their job. So, no, I, I, I find developers quite odd. I think that's quite, like, a known thing. They tend to be quite odd. Yes. Their people skills aren't the best, in my opinion. Like, they're better at talking code than they are talking humans. It's like a side note, but when I worked in a team of developers and I was an analyst and I was the team spokesperson, so I would go into meetings around the organisation and talk about why our team was great and, like, why teams should, like, bring us on. Because they couldn't do it. That's funny. (laughs) I was 20. (laughs) God's sake. 
Okay. Anyway, let's move on. But yeah, backtracking. So this means that having a button that's big enough to see on your phone and a fast page loading speed. Essentially, yes. That's the key things. Okay. Okay, so let's move on to our third CRO tip, which is kind of talking around like the urgency. There will be times when you urgently need people to take action. This might include a sale period, your next subscription cycle, the doors closing from a launch. When that's the case, some things you might want to add to your landing page to improve that. A countdown timer, the use of FOMO. So we know we seen that loads on websites like seven left in stock. That gets me every time. I've got to buy it now. <laughs> I bought a raincoat yesterday. My mum was like, but you've got to buy it. There's only five left. (laughs) So I did buy it. It's awful, but you know. Oh, Wendy. (laughs) And then research actually suggests that warm colours work really well for your call to action buttons. So using reds, yellows, oranges. Lots of organisations have done A-B testing against like a red versus a green button, for example. Really, really small things, but you'd be surprised. So if you've got Uh, for example like my brand colors are red and blue i might want to test those two as buttons and see what's more effective you know i'm a big fan of an ab (laughs) test so i'll never stop you from doing one of those but that's really interesting about the warm colors because red yellow orange you know traffic like colors almost you know the ones that tell you to stop or slow down so it's really interesting that they're the actual ones that uh can create well create a sense of urgency towards buying something opposed to not buying, if you get what I mean, yeah. because it's normally exactly. like a stop colour. My mind is blown. I mean, it's not really, but <laughs> just a little bit surprised. But yeah, that aside, what do you think small businesses should do if they don't have like a snazzy website uh, for that? Yeah, good shout. So like having a countdown timer is a snazzy feature, but as marketers, we're told to have the fundamentals right before we get distracted by like all the fun features. And I think we need to remember that because I've worked with so many people that get really excited by the exciting things, but don't actually get like the concrete principles done right. So I generally think if you're a small business, if you have strong copy, good imagery, clear call to actions, you'll be Gucci. Love that saying. (laughs) Yeah, I use it too much. I, I don't use it enough, obviously. So should we talk about like the payment process, I guess? Yeah, the final part that gets the user to convert. Mm. So we're obviously just using payment as an example, but conversion could be literally getting someone to part with an email address or download. But I think payment is the best example because... It's what most people want. They want the moolah. (laughs) Show me the dollar. The honey mummy. Yeah, you can make some important changes to your payment process to make sure that users will continue that journey. So for example, having a progress bar. So this is really good to see where users know where they are in the journey and how long they've got left. We also see the progress bar in your checkout basket. So Skinny Dip have a really good example of this. You spend £25 and then you get free delivery and they show you the progress of how much you've got to spend until you get that free delivery. So two examples of how you can use that really well that just like it gives the users that information that's like encouraging them along that journey, whether it's encouraging them to spend more or encouraging them to continue i find the ones that encourage to spend more really get on my nerves like 
I just want to buy this one thing and I don't want to have to spend £25 for free delivery, but I don't want to spend £5 for delivering something that's costing me £4. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Online shopping really does annoy me sometimes, you know. Just hurts me a little bit. Yeah, it's really frustrating, but I think the idea is like giving users that information in a really concise way. And then there's also a point of, you know, just really simplifying these steps. What I always struggle to find is that I find the, like, Amazon as a process to getting to, like, pay. I find their website so chaotic and it's really hard to, like, find what you're looking at. But obviously they have no issues. They've obviously been able to build up their brand. And I think a lot of their progress has been because they do really work on that FOMO. So if you look on Amazon, everything is, like, Amazon's Choice bestseller. All these kind of things are like before people begin the payment process, they convert. And I think in the background, they've made things easier for people where you can store your card on file and all these kinds of things. So even though the page looks chaotic, it's still really easy to make a purchase. Yeah, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I love Amazon, but I think our website is so shit. Like, it's hard to filter things because you have to be in a certain category if you want to find the right thing. You can't filter by size if you're looking for an item of clothing. It's just really, really bad. It's also really bad for users with visual impairments. Uh, It's not accessible at all. The environment? Taxes? No. (laughs) (laughs) The sad thing is, like, they don't care because they know people are just still going to shop with them because they are the largest online marketplace. Yeah. Like, it's, it's awful, but true. I'm ready for Shopify to take over. <laughs> oh, same. Yes. So yeah, that's kind of the payment process. Um, interesting. So I think my main recommendation is get the basics done. Well. Yeah, like building a house, lay the foundations. Episode title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then when we were talking about this, Emma, you mentioned about the thank you page. Yeah. So it's not part of the, like, it's not going to get people to convert initially but it's always really handy to have a nice thank you page so thanks for shopping uh hopefully see you again soon or give them an opportunity to give some feedback because then that's good for you to you know get some crm in or you know just get some feedback on how their process was so you know thank you does go such a long way in my eyes because you you have the complete checkout it doesn't have to be a completely different page it can be on that page also yeah the thank you page is a really good example of like showcasing something that's really exciting that encourages users to create UGC for you so like if you have a really good landing page with some good copy or a funny gif it might encourage users to take a screenshot and share that yeah and you mentioned about like confetti I love that idea I just want to start a website that sells things for that purpose (laughs) you can (laughs) we're gonna sell digital marketing babes signed photos okay for 50p yeah, I mean, I think that's even too much. Well, how much is a stamp? Like, a first-class stamp's like, 56p. Oh, okay. That's yeah. fine. I think 50p. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, that is kind of our... I think that's our episode. That's everything we wanted to talk about. Hopefully some helpful tips. I hope. I mean, yeah. I do this all the time, so... I feel like when you're actually put on the spot and asked to rule it off for loads of tips, you'd totally freeze. Yeah, Alice knows, you know? I mean, I can even say conversion rate at the start of the episode, but look at me go. Conversion rate, conversion rate, conversion rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you want to sound like really snazzy, just say CRO. 
CRO. I always say they were like, if you are talking about it, use CRO, but just make sure that you define it first. So mm. I just, I really want to make digital marketing accessible. And I hate when people use phrases that I don't know what they mean. Hate jargon. Yeah, jargon, that's it. We're here to be your digital jargon busters. Yes. Okay, TTYL. That's jargon for talk to you later. loves it um but thanks for listening we want to keep bringing relevant content so please let us know what you want us to chat about if there's anything that you don't know but you want to know we know so let us know and we'll let you know you know (laughs) you can slide into our dms and let us know at digital marketing babes you can catch up on our blogs and visit our website www.digitalmarketingbabes.com also please leave a review if you're listening on apple podcasts and if you're not listening on apple podcasts Go over to Apple and leave us a review, please. Yeah, so you don't have to have an Apple device to do that. You can go online to Apple Podcasts and do it that way. You know, you don't have to be an Apple stan to give us some Apple love. I am an Apple stan. Me too, but you don't use Apple Music. Ah! No, it's weird. I use Spotify for music and Apple for podcasts. And Apple have done this really great marketing trick where they've made me feel like Android users are disgusting yeah like they're the devil <laughs> i don't trust them <laughs> i don't trust them yeah i um saw online actually the other day uh show the product not the features like android users always show the, the 12 million megapixel camera whereas apple have just the picture and shot on an iphone simple yeah it's so funny like all these megapixels mean nothing to me apple just do it good apparently they're releasing a car this is really off topic but Ooh, I want one. they've got a credit card but i haven't got that Really? I yeah. didn't know that. That sounds dangerous. My boyfriend hates Apple, but I told him I'd break up with him if he got a Samsung. So he got an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I just said I can't. Like, it has to end six years. I don't care. You're gone. <laughs> oh, Alice. That's savage, but wonderful. Oh, anyway. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye, friends.